0: Hello and welcome Behind the Marquee, the podcast hey. where we talking about where we the podcast where we talk about what's going on inside the Michigan Theater. My name is Nick Aldrink. I'm the programming and media coordinator for the Michigan State Theater. And I'm joined by a special guest direct from Sundance. Please introduce yourself.
1: Yeah, my name is Adam Raymeyer, and I'm the writer, director, and editor of Dinner in America.
0: Thank you so much for coming back here for a few minutes uh, before the the michigan premiere of your film it's wild out there right now appreciate it i'm <laughs> glad to be here it's uh, i'm glad people
1: braved uh, the snow to, to come there's actually there's more snow here mm. than there was at sundance the entire time right it was there for two weeks and there was like no snow
0: it feels a lot like a family reunion out there right now is that is that your your, your crew and your cast yes, we have some
1: crew and cast here and um it, it means the world to me that they're here and and and, and you know that we shot the film not too far from here, so uh, that's that's what's great about it. This film was almost entirely done in Michigan. Right. So,
0: and you're based out of Michigan, right? You're- yeah, I, I, we spend
1: well, we have a place in LA and a place here, but we spend the majority of our time here. Are you are you you're, are you from Michigan? Uh, no, my wife is originally from Saginaw.
0: Got it. So, uh, is is that what brought you to to this uh, to this state? Uh, I,
1: I have been doing work with uh, Sean O'Grady and Bill Sturtz at Atlas Industries. Mm-hmm. So. Um, uh, that's what originally brought me out a project called Land Grab, a documentary that I edited um, a few years ago.
0: Oh, got it. Filming in Michigan since the incentives left, it's mm-hmm. not something that you see too much anymore, except for like local filmmakers. When you're writing the script, because it's set in Detroit, correct?
1: It is, but I over I had changed it over the time, and okay. I and, and I had ch- I had changed it for other incentive states too. I yeah. grew up in Nebraska too, so a lot of like. What it was maybe at the uh, a lot of the root of it was uh, me thinking about Lincoln, Nebraska, where oh, I spent a lot it. of time. Mm-hmm. So, but but they're all they're all kind of similar backdrops. Mm-hmm. Um, Detroit's was more unique, and I think fits the film better because it has sort of this washed out, broken middle class vibe. We could have a lot of places weren't updated since the nineties and whatnot. Yeah. So we had the, the palette was really, really cool here And our production designer, Francesca. She could work with a lot of that and integrated in with uh, uh, minimal, minimal effort. Like, and when you're doing a lower budget film, it's good to consider that. So Detroit had a really good look. Uh, we shot all the way from like Indian village up to Pontiac to mm-hmm. uh, Hamtramck to uh, Southfield and as far over as Orchard Lake. That was the cutoff. Marvin's uh, <laughs> was the cutoff. Basically. Oh, gotcha. We had to go into Marvin's and, <laughs> and do a montage there.
0: These characters in your film, they feel so very specific. What was the evolution of these characters and how, how were they conceived in your head?
1: Um, they, uh, When I write, I don't really uh, throw anything out ever. So um, in 2006, I had a sketch that was called Kicks. And that was the Simon character, a punk rocker kid that was selling his body, you know, uh, mm-hmm. working as a human guinea pig, uh, <laughs> basically. Um,
0: Which is how the film opens. How the film opens. Yeah.
1: So the way that the film opens, the first 10 or 15 minutes of the film is exactly the first thing I sketched. Uh-huh. And then the Patty Schalk story and her family and everything was the was another sketch. And that's lot of what you see with Patty, and then I basically merged the two ideas together. Mm-hmm. I, th- I thought over time, like both well, things weren't going anywhere, but it seemed to move. If I were to take the Simon character and bring it into the Patty sketch, uh-huh. then I would have something really interesting. So <laughs> I guess my advice is not to throw away anything that you sketch or do, because maybe you can utilize it in a different way. And I did like many many years apart sketching both of these things
0: uh brought it together to make dinner in america that's great advice i want as we're talking about the beginning of the film i want to ask you questions about about editing Mm -hmm. especially editing tone because this film really comes Mm -hmm. in with a very strong tone and you know exactly what you're going to get at the very beginning was that something that was written on the page that you or was it something that came about in editing
1: i was looser with this than um i am with other things like i do other projects sometimes shot for shot yeah um this though my dp and i jean-philippe bernier um we had designed the film pretty close to there was going to be of course some editing like at the dinner but we made choices like bold choices like we're not going to shoot sort of traditional coverage here we're going to do the center framing thing it's yeah. like a north east south, west kind of everybody has a spot at the table and we're going to rotate around and we're going to kind of I would tell Jean-Philippe I'm going to kind of play badminton with their eyelines like, <laughs> so, if, so if mom looks this way we're going to cut to that way and so it became like you know, visually, um, there was a lot of uh, a lot of uh, play and, and, and fun ways to to tell this story. Like especially, you have four dinners that kind of anchor this film. It's called Dinner in America, yeah. so it's the first time I ever wrote with a theme as well. Uh-huh. So I wanted to, each of the di- dinners to feel slightly different from each other
0: I, I liked the even the sound design like the Foley work you yes. have at the beginning with the, the chewing yes. of the food I just, yes. it felt so very uncomfortable yeah I,
1: <laughs> I spent six months in sound design with uh, the sound designer Colin Alexander and um, mm-hmm. I'm very very specific with, with sound and it's you know like it's obvious that it's 50% of your film but it's often uh-huh. overlooked and not right. treated like that so <laughs> it's really important to me that you know there be a harmony between the, the two-dimensional flat image and then you have the surround and, of course. and you're, you're, you're able to spatially do a lot of you know, really fun things. And I brought a lot of really Midwestern vibe, whether they're eating dinner and you're, you're hearing somebody mow the lawn two houses down or their washing mm-hmm. machine and dryer is on and then in the room next to it, you know, spatially there's a lot of, fun th- lot of fun things going on. Who composed the music for the film? John Swihart is the composer. He also did Napoleon Dynamite. Oh, so, okay. Yeah, John. Yeah, John was really uh, fantastic to work with. We worked for, on the score for about ten or eleven months. <laughs> so.
0: One of the comparisons that's been, or at least one of the the, the pitches for this movie I've seen, is Napoleon Dynamite meets Quentin Tarantino. Have you heard that? I don't that?
1: know. That was on the that was on the page of the theater. I like nice. that.
0: that. Okay, so he
1: did that. So oh, okay. I like that. Okay. It was. I think it was if uh, Quentin Tarantino directed right. Napoleon <laughs> Dynamite. I thought that was funny. But yeah, no, it um, it's not your squeaky clean. You know, Napoleon is so squeaky clean yeah, that it's that's yeah. a lot of fun. Right. Um, but this has this has a lot of bite a lot of a lot of you know a lot of there's a lot of bark and a lot of bite to it so um, i just well um, oh, whatever next time uh, sorry
0: <laughs> no i asked about the composer because mm-hmm. did you pitch an idea to him about or was that something that because i was listening to the music and it's like i described it as something like industrial almost mm-hmm. almost 8-bit electronic yeah it's very
1: lo-fi yeah. um john i originally was talking with john about doing more like acoustic drums um almost kind of like did you ever see me myself and irene yeah you know like kind of you have like jim carrey walking and there's like these big yeah. you know, drums and acoustic drums and john um, and then that was just like a way to like drive us, like sort of tee up the next scene, and then we'd kind of go into something different. But mm-hmm. um, John made the point for uh, doing kind of a counterpoint to the punk rock vibe with this like low tech EDM, big distorted drums, and mm-hmm. it it was the right call, and it was like a lot of fun. And I think we have like 65 cues in the film. There's a lot of stuff, mm-hmm. like there's a lot of it. But what you'll find when you watch it. Um, is there's not a lot of melody. We only right. have melody in four scenes, mm-hmm. so we're very sp- specific and we use melody very sparingly in the mm-hmm. film and for a very specific reason each time we do it. So, and uh, then of course the other songs are originals yeah. and the, uh, we have two, the England Dan and John Ford Coley, It's Sad to Belong from the beginning and then the Mac DeMarco song that I really love,
0: uh, yeah. My Kind of Woman. Are you a punk rocker yourself? Do I am. You, have you ever been, been in punk rock bands? Yeah, oh yeah. yeah no, yeah.
1: I, I like, you know, the Simon character recording in the basement, like, that's pretty much, uh, that's as close as I, it gets to me in the film of just having different locations and places over the years, like apartments or or makeshift recording studios. Like, that's my background's in sort of DIY, four-track mm-hmm. recording, and, you know, that's, well, that's what I like to do
0: in my free time. I I love the music in it is, and especially when Emily sings, Mm -hmm. that was her voice.
1: Yeah, no, Emily and I wrote the song together. So I performed the, the instruments and she did the singing and, uh, the take that you hear her sing in the film is her second take. That really? Did. So we did. We recorded that song in about 30, 40 minutes.
0: <laughs> That's great. It's yeah. just like just as it happened in in the, in the film. We we
1: I'm very much a believer, and you just you just do things, and like you know you get to a point like, you know, it just doesn't it, it happens after many years of just doing things like mm-hmm. that. So it's very much in the spirit of how I like to record, like really just fast and furious, and throw an idea out there and get and go.
0: So, when you casted, Emily was mm-hmm. it her voice first, or did no, that nothing happen? with her
1: voice at all?, no? actually, no, it was it's... more of just the whole essence of her. Uh-huh. like in her eyes, she bought these glasses and um did the audition with them. And uh, she sent me a tape with the audition and and, um it was just it was just her, you know, i I look at the eyes when I cast, and I only look at the eyes. I don't look at your body of work or anything. Uh-huh. It's like, I I know everything I need to know with the with the eyes usually with the actor same with Kyle right I knew off of his uh, Facebook profile picture that Uh he was right for Simon and if you look at it and look it up It's it's
0: correct. It's virtually Simon. Mm hmm How did Simon come to you? How'd you find him? Well uh, producer or sorry uh, uh, Kyle Kyle
1: yeah producer had an inside track to Kyle. I think they were they looked at him pretty hard for a film and he wasn't quite right for it. So uh-huh. one of the producers had his email uh-huh. and he slipped in the script and he didn't read it for three years. <laughs> so uh, then my DP was shooting something in Romania and mentioned the film to him when he was in Romania. And Kyle was like, I think I have that script and went yeah. back to his uh, you know, shitty prodigy.net email <laughs> account that he still has <laughs> and located the script from three years prior. Uh-huh. And sure enough, uh, he had the script he read it and then he contacted me and said he wanted to do the, the film <laughs>
0: ben stiller is a producer uh, on the film how did how did he come to come ben to find and nikki
1: it? weinstock got involved um probably about four years ago um they got a hold of the script from ross our lead producer ross putman and um uh they just they just really loved it and wanted to be supportive and um you know i think uh In addition to the bigger films that they do, they're very encouraging and supportive of of, uh, emerging artists and Mm -hmm. emerging voices. So um, they took the project under their wing and
0: and helped us in a lot of really
1: incredible ways to, to make it happen. Uh, we're gonna wrap
0: up in just a moment mm-hmm. here. Uh, before we go, uh, the screening's gonna start very soon. Mm-hmm. Uh, I looked, I saw you're working on a documentary "Elegy for an American Dream." Mm-hmm. It feels like you're you've really found your. Uh, found a tone. It, it kind of sounds like it's gonna be like the spiritual mm. nonfiction. Successor it's, it's, to this. it's on hold right now, <laughs> yeah. just
1: because I. It's it's something that I would like to do, but it there's a lot of. There's a lot of components to it that are tricky. Yeah. So, uh, mm-hmm. uh, But yes, thematically, it would make sense. There's yeah. almost an American thing. It's a documentary, though, right. so a little yeah. bit different. But yeah, uh, um, yeah, yeah. I, I, uh, it, it's on hold right now.
0: Okay. Well, I'm sure we're all going to look forward to it uh, when, when that gets finished, and hope we can have you back for, for future screenings. That would be awesome. Thank I, you so much for joining us, Adam. Appreciate it. Thank you very much.